Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. All right. Welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. This is Rachel Marshall with my co-host, Bruce Weiner, and we are going to be talking with you today about waiver of premium, which might seem like a very non, non-cool non and not very interesting part of life insurance, but we are here to talk with you about something that will help you to bulletproof your life insurance policy to make sure that it can weather any type of financial situation in your life. Bruce, good morning. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. Uh, no, there's no, there's no doubt about this. Uh, it's not exciting. Um, but the, what's interesting is it, it should be, even though it's not exciting, it should be well known by everybody because disability is a much bigger product problem for people at younger ages, especially than it is for older people. Um, uh, an easier way, I guess, to say that is it's you're at a 30 year old is much more likely to become disabled at 30 than they are to die at 30. Right. And yet, and yet 30-year-olds don't have the proper amount of life insurance. So if they don't have the proper amount of life insurance, they probably don't have the proper amount of disability insurance. And they certainly then probably don't have waiver of premium on their life insurance if they have life insurance. So it's, a, it's, it's not an exciting uh, topic, but it's a very, very important topic. Um, it's one that, hit, that has hit home personally for me with a first cousin who's um, hu- husband uh, developed ALS and was dab- disabled at age 40 for a good, oh, wow. eight, year- for a good eight years. And, um, and then uh, also a client of mine developed ALS um, also before, the- before uh, they were actually clients of mine. And oh, uh, wow. it-, it, put- it puts a lot of stress on the family if they're not um, well insured. And, um, you know, a lot of people think, well, it- you can get social security disability insurance. And, uh, that is true. It, it takes a while for you to get that. And it's a minimum amount. It's not necessarily enough to sustain your family. So mm-hmm. that's why we're going to talk about, um, the benefits of this today. Absolutely. And I appreciate you even just kind of making that really relevant and personal to you. I mean, I have not personally experienced any situation where somebody was going into disability at a young age. Um, except for seeing like veterans with um, early disability because of um, their time in the service. But what I do know is very interesting is we want to make sure that you are in a position that you can be protected on all fronts. And that gives you tremendous peace of mind to know that financially you can weather any type of life circumstance that, that happens. And so I want to zoom out for a second, just in case you're coming um, to this episode and you're thinking, what, what's the context? What are we really um, trying to achieve and create here? So we're going to step back from a 50,000 foot view here. And where does this conversation fit in the big picture of creating wealth? Because what we know is that life is not just about having a proper amount of insurance, which is a huge portion of creating wealth, but just with great insurance, you're not going to turn that into time and money freedom. So how do we do that? Well, first, you want to make sure that you are keeping and protecting keeping first as much of your cash flow that you make as possible. Meaning you have $100,000 coming in per year. You want as little of that to flow out of your hands and as much of it as possible to be money that you 
keep in your pocket, meaning that it's in your control. You're paying yourself first. You're saving those dollars. Then what we want to do is protect your wealth. And this is all types of insurance and legal protection and making sure that what you build cannot just be lost by one life event. And then from that position, we want to say, how do you take your dollars and your wealth that you've created and use the money to start working for you? And you're not just working for dollars, but your money is also producing a return. And that's how you create time and money freedom. So today we're talking about a part of insurance, a specific part of life insurance, which fits in that second level of time of the cash flow system, building time and money freedom in the protection component. Now, so if you are a wealth creator who wants to bulletproof that life insurance policy and help that to be a cornerstone of your financial legacy that you leave for your heirs and also take care of your family no matter what, what we're going to talk about today is three quick questions that you need to know that's going to help you really figure out how to think about waiver of premium in your life insurance policy. So the first question, Bruce, as we jump in is, how would your life be impacted if you became, or how would your life insurance be impacted? Let me rephrase that. How would your life insurance be impacted if you became disabled? So let's just talk about this. If you have a life insurance policy right now, you're paying premium, say it's a term policy, or maybe even it's a whole life policy, and you're going on about your daily life, and this policy is meant to be able to pay out a death benefit to your heirs. If it's a whole life policy, you're using that to build cash value. You might even be using that for privatized banking, which hopefully you are putting that cash value to work. You're investing, you're taking loans against your cash value. You're putting that to work in additional assets. You're getting an external rate of return as well. So you have this asset that's not only creating a death benefit, it's also this wealth creator in your own life because you're able to increase and maximize the returns you're getting in your other investments. You have this pool of capital you can rely on and lean against. What happens in the case that disability comes visiting in your life? Bruce, let's talk about that. Well, I mean, it is a contract, so uh, premiums need to be paid in one way or another. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you hear people say this all the time. They say things like, I'm self-insured. Um, or they say, you know, well, I don't need any more insurance. Um, <clears throat> I always find this interesting. People say, I, um, I don't want to be overinsured. And <laughs> I, which is say impossible, that, which is, is impossible. And, and when I relate it to car insurance or homeowners insurance, they immediately get it. I don't know if they, they, um, they want to admit it to themselves, but they do immediately get it. Like you can't buy a $10,000 car and insure it for, for a hundred thousand dollars. Absolutely not. No, the insurance company would never do that. No. And same way with a a house, you know, you can't have a $500,000 house and insure it for a million dollars because the insurance company uh, is not going to allow you to have um, a policy that would pay out more than the house is worth. It's Mm -hmm. the same way with your, it's the same way with your life. So when people say, I don't want to be overinsured uh, or have too much insurance, that's impossibility. Insurance companies will allow you to do that. Uh, but what, what waiver premium then will allow you is to make sure that whatever insurance you have continues to get paid, whether, like you said, whether it's a term insurance, whether it's a whole life insurance or, or the other types of permanent insurance. And there are usually some limitations to this. Uh, one of the limitations that is almost for all the different carriers is that uh, it will pay for the base um, policy, uh, the, the pure the pure insurance, and um, some of the additional riders, but it won't it will not pay for 
the optional riders, uh, such as the paid up additions insurance, which was optional for you to put that in anyway. Um, and then some people, this is where Rachel, we may get into people's misconception of insurance. You know, when this happens, a person says, see, I knew the insurance company was trying to screw me. They're not paying the entire premium. And I say, no, they're not trying to screw you. Uh, what has actually happened, they actually priced the waiver of premium, which is an additional cost in the, they, they didn't price it with the PUAs uh, mm. to be completed. Now they can do that for you and they can, <clears throat> they can prepare a policy for that, but it will be more expensive to do that. So most which of the- would then have a more expensive cost of the waiver of premium right. rider. So, right. and right. I want to come right back to where you are just a second. I want to just take a little um, detour to be able to explain the context for a second. So what we're talking about is inside of a specifically a whole life insurance policy and specifically one that's being used for privatized banking, the way that we work with most of our clients is that you have a base insurance premium that is going to your base policy. That's your main life insurance policy. That is mostly contributing to your death benefit. Then you have your paid up additions, which are mostly contributing to your cash value. I'm really oversimplifying that, but I just wanted to give a, a context here. And so what's happening is that if you add waiver of premium, which is simply this, it is a rider, an additional, an add-on, if you will, to your life insurance policy that is a cost. There is a cost to the waiver of premium rider that what will happen is if you become disabled during the life of the policy, that, that rider will then cause the life insurance policy to pay the policy premiums and keep your life insurance policy working as you had planned for it to do. So I just wanted to give that basic lay of the land here. So let's Bruce, let's come back to it. You're talking about the waiver premium would be more expensive if they had priced it to cover the base premium and the paid up additions. And instead, you're saying they they priced it just to cover the base policy. Correct. So if uh, let's use round numbers, one hundred thousand um, dollars, and the way we normally build them are between about twenty five thousand at one hundred would be base premium. And then probably, depending on the age, another $1,000 would be term insurance that we, that we design in the policy so that it, it grows uh, tax-free or does not become a modified endowment contractor. Mm -hmm. So if you were to become disabled, then the insurance company would, act, act, uh, on their accounting books, say you paid the base premium of $25,000 and you paid the $1,000. And obviously, there's a cost to the insurance company for that. They offer that cost to you, whatever that be. And people are always asking me, you know, what is that cost? And I say, well, it depends on how old you are. So mm -hmm. a waiver premium for a a 25-year-old is not nearly as much as it is for a 60-year-old. So, you know, there is a cost to that. What you're doing when you really think about this is that you're insuring your ability to make the premium payment. So you're insuring your yes. money. That's all you're doing. You're, you're saying, okay, I'm going to pay a little bit of money every year, you know, $400, $500, $600, so that if I become disabled, then the insurance company will use that premium payment plus all the other premium payments, the pool of premium payments that they have for the waiver premium. And they will use that to now make that accounting uh, ledger of $25,000 and $1,000 for the term insurance. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's no different than any other insurance. 
So like, like everybody knows on this podcast, I think now that my home burned down in 2014. So I, I pay a premium every year, just like you do and, and Lucas and everybody that owns a home. You pay a premium. It mm -hmm. goes into a large pool. And that large pool then is invested by the insurance company and they pay claims out of that pool of money. It's mm -hmm. the same way. You, so you're insuring it. You pay an additional cost for waiver premium. It goes into a pool of money. That pool of money then is used to actually pay the claims if somebody becomes disabled. So I like it's, how it's you said that magic. because it's not magic. It's like, yes, it's insurance on your insurance in a way. And mm -hmm. so let's just step this back into reality for you who might be familiar with the life insurance lingo and maybe you're not. Let's just walk through a circumstance. So say right now you're in a position where you're funding a life insurance policy and maybe you're putting in let's just say $100,000 per year into this policy. And this is your base premium. It's your paid up additions rider. It's your term rider as well to make sure the policy doesn't mech and you keep your tax advantages. And say you're in a position where this is $100,000 going into your life insurance policy every year. Now, if you had intended to keep on paying that $100,000 every year, you would then have an expected or anticipated cash value amount. You would have an expected death benefit amount. And let's say that disability did impact your life. What's going to happen as a result of that disability? Well, big picture, you may not be able to continue the same level of employment that you had previously, which means your income might be a little more tenuous or could be, could be really a challenge. Maybe you're in a position, and, and again, I don't even want to say you just because I don't, I don't want to lay that on someone who's listening to this, but someone who's disabled might be in a position where maybe their spouse is needing to take care of them. Maybe their spouse or that person, the, the disabled person or the spouse, neither one has the capability to go to work at that time and bring an income in. And now life insurance premiums, that $100,000 premium that you were making every year, now you're saying, oh my goodness, I don't know if I can pay that premium, but I want my life insurance policy to keep on working and performing the way that I'd expected it to because I want it to be there for me. I want to be able to use the cash value. I want to be able to use the debt or have the death benefit still pay out to my family. And you think, what are my options at this point? So having waiver premium is not the only way that you can have this policy be extended, but let's just think about this for a minute. You could say, well, let's go ahead and cancel the policy altogether. I would highly encourage you not to do that. That's a last resort. But let's just say you did not have the $100,000 to make the premium payments depending on where you are in the policy, and we have another episode on your options if you need to change your funding structure of a whole life insurance policy, but you have the option to pay from policy values, meaning you can take cash value or dividends, and Bruce, you can speak to this a little more if you want, but you can apply those to paying the premiums for you. You could pay your base premium only and not your paid up additions rider. So you're paying a portion of the policy premiums. You could take a policy loan against your cash value, and use that to pay your premiums. So there's a lot of ways that you can cause the policy to pay for itself. Waiver premium is not the only option, and I want to be really clear about that. You could even, if the policy was enforced for a long enough period of time, or the all the factors were right, you could reduce pay up. Meaning you could stop making future premium payments and have the policy lower the death benefit and continue to stay in force. Now, all of those are options, but Big picture, if you look at it from, again, the 10,000 foot view, if you're in a position to have to exercise any one of those options, you are going to either take a reduction in cash value available to you or a reduction in death benefit. What waiver of premium does is it 
allows the policy to continue performing as you'd expected it to without having to come up with premiums out of pocket and without having to reduce that cash value or death benefit. Bruce, is that is that coming across clearly or can we clear up any? Coming, um, it, yeah, it's coming up. It's coming across clearly. Let's not necessarily say as you expected, because if you expected to pay the PUAs, that's true. The way, then it's not, it's not going to be total insurance on it. Um, and also there are some limitations. Um, some of the carriers say that um, after age 60, after you turn age 60, there will be some of the premium paid, but not all the premium paid. Um, uh, some of them say that the, uh, the elimination periods are where you have to be disabled for at least six months. Some of the carriers say that. So if you're not making premium payments for six months, that will be an issue. And then some people, some of the carriers actually say you have to show it for one year and we will not start paying for one year. So, but, but the general premise um, that it will perform better than if you're not paying anything is, right. is, is actually true. And it'll, it'll perform much better than you, than you would if you didn't have the waiver of premium on it. What's interesting, Rachel, when I had this discussion, and uh, uh, I, I tend to be an insurance uh, producer that um, I lay the facts down for people and I, I tell them, hey, here's the cost for it. And I believe that people, uh, educated people, need to be, make their own free will decision whether they add this or not. Absolutely. They're the ones who want to take the risk. So not everybody does, and I don't push it. There are insurance producers that push it and say, well, uh, I'm not doing this without waiver of premium, you know, and so on and so forth. Um, but I do believe that people need to understand that this is the one financial instrument that will somewhat complete what you thought it was going to do when you put it in place. Your savings program will not complete. If you and your wife say, I'm going to put $1,000 in my savings account and I suddenly can't not work anymore, then the putting that extra thousand dollars in your savings account every month will not complete. If you right, have, meaning no one else is going to do that for you. Correct. Same way with your four hundred one k. You know, you had this great plan. You know, you you say I'm going to put, you know, the max into my four hundred one k, or I'm going to put ten thousand dollars a year in my four hundred one k until I decide to retire. Uh, if you become disabled, you can no longer work. Nobody else is going to be able to put that money in that 401k. There's no insurance for, for that. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is the one financial instrument that is the closest that it's going to be by completing the contract if you add it to the contract. And that's the key. You have to add it to the contract. I really like that you shared that because I think having the peace of mind of knowing that if some circumstance fell into your life that caused you to not be able to make your premium payments, having that as an option is just an additional layer of peace of mind and security. And again, I really think that the reason that we do shows and episodes like this is that we want to provide as much education as possible, yes, to then help you be able to make your free will independent decision on whether that's something that you want to add onto your life insurance policy or not. 
And I do want to stress something as well. We're talking primarily about whole life insurance at this point, but waiver of premium is something available on all life insurance policies. And specifically, if you have a term policy, I just want to point something out here. If you have a term life insurance policy that say is a 20 year term, and that means that say you put it in place when you're age 20, and then it's going to um, be done at age 40. And at that point, you can either have it be annually renewable term, or you can put a new term policy in place. If you're in a position where you became disabled during the lifetime of that term policy, so between the age of 20 and 40, you could have waiver premium on that policy. And there's multiple different types. And the reason I even bring this up is that I want you to be aware that there's different options. So one option might be to continue making those premium payments for the term policy that would then still expire at age 40. You could have an option that would then be able to extend that policy and convert it to a whole life policy or to a permanent policy. And then you also can have an option that can extend that policy into a permanent policy and convert that at your the age of your choosing. So just some options that are available. But if you think about having a term policy, if you are starting today because maybe your cash flow situation is not such that you are able to put in a, a whole life policy, you do want to think about having waiver premium on that policy because if then if something were to happen and disability was an event in your life, that policy could then be extended into a permanent policy, which would then continue to build that cash value and build that death benefit for you beyond the, the time frame of the term. So all of this might be, you might be thinking, why did they start here? Why are they talking about what happens if you become disabled to your life insurance policy? We just want to be able to share the facts and the information about thinking through the situation and knowing what would happen, in fact, if I couldn't pay my life insurance premiums. So now that we've kind of covered that base, base, base ground, that, that base, that ground, that territory, um, let's go ahead and answer the second question, and that is how common is disability? And Bruce, you really alluded to this already at the beginning, where sometimes you see statistics that say disability is more common than death. Well, actually it's not because death is a guaranteed fact of life. We're all going to happen, have happened to us. Disability is not a guarantee. And thankfully, we're not going to all face disability in our life. But if you look at your various time frames, the life insurance companies, all insurance companies have actuarial tables and they look at what the likelihood or the, the statistical probability of some event happening in your life. And at the younger ages, yes, disability is more likely than death at the younger ages. So, um, Bruce, we have some statistics here that I wanted to share, and then we can talk mm -hmm. about this as well. So 25% of 20-year-olds entering the workforce will suffer some income-interrupting disability during their careers. Now, these all are going to have the links for where the sources are found in the show notes as well. But this was for the Council of Disability Awareness in a 2014 Consumer Disability Awareness Study. Um, there's another statistic, statistic that says one in eight workers will be disabled for five years or more during their working careers. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. One in eight workers disabled for five years or more. So again, we're not saying these statistics to scare you or to add fear and scarcity into making a decision to consider disability. But I think sometimes it can be really easy to say, ah, that'll never happen that's just, you know, it's not in your reality. It's not in your consciousness when you are healthy and when you're not disabled and you're just thinking, hey, let me just live out my life and create the wealth that I want to create. But at the same time, I think sometimes it's humbling to really see what that statistic is and what the, the likelihood is. 65% um, of American workers could not cover their normal living expenses for a year if they couldn't work. 
Well, that just means that if your life insurance premium is one of your expenses, that would be really challenging. And we don't want life insurance premiums to be a burden to you or one of those bills that you're saying, oh my goodness, it's stressful to think about having to pay that in a certain circumstance. And then 12% of Americans, which is more than 37 million people, are classified as disabled. That's pretty crazy to me. More than 37 million people. And that's any type of disability. But I think, um, Bruce, and you were even sharing just personal circumstances. I mean, I think disability is something that we all need to plan to be able to take care of ourselves in that circumstance, but then live our life as if it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to share on that? How common is disability? No, I don't. I think, um, I think people understand this and, and uh, it hits home. Most people know somebody that this has happened to. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing I do want to uh, talk about with these insurance carriers, though, that uh, most of them, when I say most, I mean uh, almost all of them, um, and, and I, I'm saying this from you know, starting back in the 80s uh, when I started in this is that it, it has to be a complete disability in their minds. So it's not like um, you can um, have uh, a sp- particular skill um, and, and you lose the ability to do that skill. And we often use, um, you know, um, an example of like a dentist that cannot perform dent- dentistry anymore, mm-hmm. but they could become a life insurance salesman. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they could have another career. So it has to be a complete uh, disability uh, for all careers. And so it usually, it usually is something that's pretty extensive. So like back pain, paralysis, heart disease, cancer, mental illness. Um, so something that is, pretty, I know it's kind of, we're using, I'm using this, the word in the definition, but disabilitating. I mean, something that is. Yeah. Debilitating. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we're not going, you're not going to have something, uh, that is like, uh, oh, well I can't, I, I actually hurt my knee and I can't lay tile anymore as a construction worker. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would not qualify because you could do an, a desk job somewhere. Right. So I, I just want to be very clear on that. Right. And I appreciate you sharing that as well, because again, we want to think through the full range of circumstances. What would that be like in that case? And again, I'm all about the power of visualization and creating what you want in your life. So don't spend time dwelling on this. But again, I think it's really important to be educated on what would actually happen should that circumstance arise. And then if you can make sure you take care of that circumstances circumstance as best as possible, then you don't have to let it linger in your mind and and dwell on that. Because certainly if you're thinking about the things that you don't want to create, you're not going to be creating the life you want. You're going to be going in the opposite direction. So we don't want to stay here. But at the same time, I think that education is really, really important. And Bruce, you mentioned, I know you're a little bit more familiar with the social security disability than I am, but in the case that somebody was completely disabled for say five years or even longer, maybe permanently disabled, there's a time frame that they would be able to go to social security and they would have to um, wait to see if they were approved. And a lot of cases are not approved and it can be really challenging and, uh, and and take a long time to get social security disability. And then they're not going to pay out the full amount of your income either. 
can you just share a little bit about what that would be like to try to get disability income? Yeah, first of all, um, it, it, it should be difficult to get, in my opinion, um, because that's what keeps premium levels down. So example, right. example um, um, life insurance is not easy for somebody that has, doesn't have a good, uh, that has, that does not have good health. Mm-hmm. And um, not saying that everything is a is um, people can help as far as their health, but it, it incents people to be healthy. And I hope I don't and come lowers the premium costs for the whole pool for the whole pool. And I hope I don't come yeah. across as being cynical about this, but I have had I've been doing this a long time, and I have had clients who have attempted to get disability. And then when we actually went over what the disability payment would be from Social Security, they say, well, I don't want to go through the process because I can't live on that. I'm just going to keep working. Well, the, abs- the absurdity of that statement is that you're not disabled. If you can keep working, uh, mm-hmm. then you're not disabled. Uh, right. So that's why the process for Social Security disability, for the most part, is a two-year process. And now mm-hmm. it can be it can be um, accelerated for certain like well known uh, disability uh, situations, um, um, and you know most of them are very de- uh, debilitating. Uh, ALS is one of them, which I already spoke to. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like um, uh, MS, um, things that are very very debilitating. A heart, certain heart disease certain types of uh, back issues because even with back issues, you would think, well, you can do a desk job, but back issues can, can be very disability. You cannot pay attention. So it's for the most part, I tell people it's a two year process. And then the reason I told you about the stories about a couple of clients that I've had who said, well, I can't live on that. Disability is not supposed to be an incentive to actually replace all of your income. Because then that would actually um, that would actually incent people to be more fraudulent than people already are in the in this situation. Well, and so, I think that even comes back to the idea that you can't be overinsured, so you can't correct. be you can't get more disability income than you had actual income in your real life, and so even less than your actual working income is what right and you're then, able and to then, Yes. Just like Social Security was never intended to replace all of your income, mm-hmm. neither is Social Security and disability. So um, that has, to, and that that goes back to what we said earlier: is that you can't rely on, you know, just one disability payment to to be suffice. So Social Security, yes, Social Security disability is is a is a bridge to help people. What that do become dis- disabled, but Social Security disability is not going to be enough to complete your insurance contract. Mm-hmm. So um, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, that's a very important thing for people to take in consideration when they're doing planning. So we've covered at this point here what would your life insurance, what would happen to your life insurance policy if you became disabled? How common is disability? Now let's talk about the third question, and that is what puts me in the best situation in the widest range of circumstances. Now, what we want to do is really think about how can we make sure that 
our dollars do the most good in our financial life and that they go the furthest. And so we really want to make sure that we have all of the insurance coverage in our life so that not one life event can come in and sweep that rug out from underneath your feet and make you poor. And so what we want to do is be in a position that you prevent that worst case scenario from knocking you off the rails. So what you can do is have a best case scenario where you have a life insurance policy, specifically a whole life insurance, high cash value, dividend paying, whole life insurance policy with a mutual company that you're using for privatized banking. You're paying the policy premiums and you add on the waiver of premium rider, which I think a lot of times people say, the reason I don't want to do that is that it is going to cut into my policy and make me have a little bit less cash value available to me, especially in the early years. And they say, well, that's a drag on the policy. You could think of it as a, it's a cost. It's pulling your your growth backwards, if you will. It's it's a pure cost. And so when you look at that, you could say, and again, I, I guess I even partially misspoke, it's a pure cost if you don't use the waiver premium. However, no amount of early cash value and death benefit is going to be worth it to you if you say, well, now I am disabled. I can't go ahead and pay the policy premiums. I'm going to have to sacrifice and and either reduce pay up or I'm going to have to pay from policy values. And sure, those things are situations that are built into your policy to make it be able to perform the best in the widest range of circumstances. But having that waiver premium adds on, it's like a, a turbocharge, uh, a boost to add on to your policy to make sure that if that circumstance did happen in your life, if disability became a thing, that you would indeed still have as much cash value and as much death benefit and as much growth inside that policy, which means this. That means you have more cash value that you can use to help you through that really challenging circumstance, that really challenging time. And it means for sure that you're not going to have to be wondering and worrying, how am I going to come up with the premiums to make this policy last so that I can still keep that death benefit in force with as much death benefit as I can get. So it's really thinking through in advance. This is something, I don't know, Bruce, can you add this on after you have a life insurance policy already in place? I didn't think so, but uh, I just thought I would ask that directly. So if you already have a life insurance policy that does not have waiver of premium, then you want to be thinking about putting waiver of premium maybe on a next life insurance policy you put in place. But this is something that you want to think about just in terms of making sure that your life insurance policy can be as bulletproof as possible to help you through that life circumstance. Bruce, is there anything you want to share about waiver of premium as we come to a close? No, I, but I do I want to take this opportunity to educate people on the concept of money and insurance again. That was a great question you asked. Can I add that afterwards? The reason you can't add it afterwards, if you really stop and think about it, makes perfect sense. Um, one, the insurance company is asking, wait a minute, what do you know about yourself that all of a sudden you're right. interested in this? Right. Okay. So they're skeptical. And, and once again, uh, I, I know I get kind of on a soapbox about, the, about this, but people say, see, these insurance companies are trying to screw you. No, they're not. This is actually figured into all costs of insurance. So if you try to manipulate that, when I say you, I mean, if anybody tries to manipulate that by only um, actually applying for it when you think you're you have a condition that might you might be um you might be disabled in the next few years um you know mm -hmm. a, a great example you know my sister 
came home one day and they thought, you know, right around 40 females, I don't know if you, if the listeners know this, I don't know if you know this, but right around 40 females are more likely to develop MS at, at age oh, 40. Interesting. And so she was having some neck pain and so on and so forth. So the doctor said, we're going to run some tests for MS. Mm. Well, she could have then, if this was allowed, she didn't know she had MS, but she could have then called the insurance company and said, I want to put waiver premium oh, right. on, on my policy. Now, uh, not everybody that goes through this actually gets MS, but there's going to be a higher percentage than the general population mm-hmm. because they have some little triggering event that gives them an inkling that they might trigger that waiver premium. It's, um, we don't have to get political here, but this is the same way about guaranteed issued health insurance. Um, that's the same thing. When a person can opt in every year uh, and not have a pre-existing condition, there's no doubt about it that they're going to opt into a program that is going to have to take that cost um, into consideration. So insurance is a, is a pure actuarial science. They are not trying to screw one individual person, but they don't know that individual person. So waiver premium is a way that you can actually try to eliminate as many possibilities as possible, but it's figured into the premium. That's why you can't add it uh, uh, later on, and it logically makes sense. It's like calling your insurance company when you're driving 120, you decide to drive from San Diego to LA at 125 miles per hour and say, I want to up my collision insurance on my <laughs> They say, what's that shifting of gears I hear in the background? Right. <laughs> while, I'm, while I'm driving 125 miles an hour. Right. right. Uh, it's, it just doesn't make any logical sense. And if it doesn't make logical sense, it means it doesn't make mathematical sense. Absolutely. And that's all insurance is, is actuarial, actuarial mathematical sense. So Bruce, that, I appreciate that. Yeah, I just think people need to educate them more on how these things work, and then they'd mm-hmm. have a different mindset uh, about uh, how to use uh, insurance in general. Not just life insurance, but insurance in general. Absolutely. So if you have a current policy and you don't have waiver premium, but now you want it as a result of this particular educational um hour brought to you by the money advantage, you want to be in a position where you're not regretting that past decision, but you're saying, how can I make sure that future decisions I make, I use all of the information and knowledge available to me and then make the best decision moving forward. So that is going to be a wrap today on talking about waiver premium, which more specifically, we're talking about how to make sure your life insurance policy premiums will be continued to be paid because of the life insurance company if you add this rider onto your policy. And that will allow you to be able to create the best circumstance no matter what life throws at you. And I want to put a little plug in for a course that we're working on right now. If you want to see these things actually on a life insurance illustration and see how they work and get more details on that, we're working on a life insurance course that is not available yet, but we're working on the content for that and we'll be releasing that soon. And I also want to let you know that we have a privatized banking, quick and easy guide. This is the investor's guide to getting your $1 to do two jobs at the same time and get $1 to work in two places and earn a return on two 
in two places at the same time. That is available to you at the link below as well. And that is the quick and easy privatized banking guide. And that will give you more information about how to use privatized banking to up your returns and increase your confidence and peace of mind as a wealth creator. So in closing, please remember success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd and build a life and business you love. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now and we'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated. <music>